reading from the fifth chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the thirteenth verse. Jesus is speaking. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A poet named Khalil Gibran wrote these words about salt. There must be something sacred in salt. It's in our own tears and in the ocean. I wonder if you've ever kissed a crying child's tears off of her face. And tasted that saltiness and, and felt that connection to the other person's grief. Felt that connection to their heartache or to their sense of loss. Maybe felt that connection to a sense of hopelessness. Or maybe you've tasted your own tears as they flooded down your face in a time of hurt. Or maybe even a time of joy. Tasted the saltiness of it and realized, hey, tears taste pretty good. And sometimes just that reminder that our tears are connected to the other waters that remind us of God's goodness, like an ocean. I wonder if you've ever sat in front of an ocean and felt small in front of its bigness. Maybe felt your heart feel as if it was beating in time with the rolling of the waves. I love the ocean, but I hate Myrtle Beach. I've never understood that. I could sit and watch the ocean for hours if nobody else were there. It reminds me of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God because the waves keep coming. And if you stand in them, there's something reassuring about their frequency. There must be something sacred in salt. It's in our own tears and in the ocean. Jesus said that we are salt. 
the salt of the earth, the salt of this world. Our Lord said, you are the salt of the earth. He also said, you're the light of the world. And then he said that not a stroke of a letter would disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. How could those things be tied together? What might He be wanting us to hear? Maybe we're supposed to recall that later on, He'll tell His disciples that the entirety of the law, that everything that Moses wrote and everything that the prophets wrote, that all of it hung on two ideas, to love God and love the other person as much as we love ourselves. To love God and love our neighbor. Jesus said that the law and the prophets hang on those, that they would never go out of style. That they reflect what God truly desires and that ultimately what God is enabling us to do through the death and resurrection of Jesus, through our baptism into Jesus, through following Jesus, through the faith that God gives us in Jesus, through the grace that God gives us, through the mercy that God shows us, through the forgiveness that God offers to us. All of that is done for us so that we can love God and be freed from sin and be able to love our neighbor. And I can't help but wonder if maybe Jesus isn't telling us that we're the salt of the earth because of those things that He's going to do for us. Because He's going to enable us to love God and love our neighbor. And that somehow, somehow we become like the tears of a child and the roll of the ocean in a world that desperately needs flavor. In a world that desperately needs to be preserved. In a world that desperately needs to be thirsty for God. Those are the things that salt does. If we, the church, if we who are called to love God and love our neighbor, will grow up in Christ and become people who love God and love our neighbor out of habit, then we truly can be salt for the earth. The three things that salt does and has always done. Preserve things, create thirst, and give something flavor. Several years ago, I went to help a friend of mine move a backhoe. Mostly just because I'd never moved a backhoe, you know. It seemed like something I needed to know how to do. And I went and we loaded the backhoe on this big trailer and... You know, I didn't realize that the trailer actually came apart and you drove the backhoe up on. It was an amazing thing to see. After we did that, when they had delivered it to the guy's house who was buying it, he took us out to a little shed that he had behind his house. And inside the shed, he had a grist mill where he was grinding regular old field and yellow corn into grits. Any of y'all like grits? Some of our new people are shaking their heads, no. We can fix that. <laughs> so this guy handed me and handed my friend to a gallon bag of yellow, freshly ground grits. Like scooped them up and put them in the bag. 
Now, I was terrified of that because I'm used to the grits being in a little bag about yay big that you open yourself and you know that there are no weevils in it, right? Now, he assured me that if I put those grits in the freezer, the weevils would not hatch. So I put those grits in the freezer. Now, the first time I cooked them, I didn't really think about needing to put anything in them. I put them in the water and I cooked the grits. And they tasted horrible. Because I forgot to put something in them. What was it? I forgot to put salt in them. Because grits without salt are horrible. Amen? But grits with salt are wonderful. Aren't they? Especially if they're cooked right. Just creamy, not too thick. They're wonderful. They taste great. What if Jesus is telling us, church, that if we will let Him work in us, to where we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, that we can make the world taste better. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to have God use us for? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to have the lives of your friends and your co-workers and your neighbor and even your enemies be better because of who Jesus has caused you to be? I'd sign up for that program. What about you? And then we also know that salt is really what allowed civilization to become a thing. Because it used to be you had to follow your food around. But when human beings got a grasp on using salt to preserve food, we were suddenly able to live in one place and preserve crops and preserve meat so that we didn't have to follow the game all around the country. One salt manufacturer harkens that on their website. They say in bold print that salt is the foundation of modern civilization. Roman soldiers used to be paid in salt. (laughs) That's where the phrase, you're not worth your salt, comes from. The importance of salt as a preservative has shaped human history. And I can't help but wonder, what if Jesus is saying to us that if we will let Him work in us, if we will truly be His followers, if we will be His disciples and not just people who say, I believe in Jesus, and never follow Jesus, but follow Jesus and let Jesus work in us to where we love God and love our neighbor out of the very habit like breathing, what if Jesus is saying that if we will give ourselves to His project in us, He will use us to preserve the earth and preserve the world. What if Jesus is saying to us, I'm sprinkling you on the earth to give it flavor. I'm sprinkling you on the earth to preserve it. What if Jesus expects that out of our love for God and our love for neighbor, we'll stand up and say it's not right to deny people a place to live. It's not right to force people to eat out of garbage cans. It's not right to turn a blind eye to people people who are political refugees and fleeing from hurt. What if Jesus is saying to us, I am counting on you to be my people in the world and preserve the world against hatred and hurt and horribleness. To stand up and speak truth to power, as Paul says. And said, that ain't right because God told us to love one another. What if that's what Jesus means when He says, you're the salt of the earth? That He intends to use us to preserve the world. 
And then there's that whole thirst thing. Do you know that if you don't have salt, your brain can't communicate with your nerves? Doctor says, don't eat salt. <laughs> the internet says, if I don't eat salt, I'll die. I don't know who to believe. But apparently my body needs salt so that my nerves work. So that I can pick the hymnal up and put the hymnal down so that I can get that piece of paper I dropped later. Apparently if I don't have salt in my body and other electrolytes, none of that will happen. But then, apparently, there has to be balance. And if I eat the salt, it will cause me to thirst. So that I have the water that my body also needs to function. And if I don't get the salt, I don't get the water. Salt causes thirst. What if, what if what Jesus is saying to us is that as we follow Him, as we serve Him as risen Lord, he is going to work in us and shape us so that we can love God and love our neighbors so much that other people will want Jesus too. I was in a boat one time with this old fellow that's passed on. His name was Hazel. He's an awesome guy. He hated my dog. I think it's because my dog didn't like him. <laughs> but Hazel liked me. And Hazel took me fishing one time in this little John boat. And it was hot. And he looked at me and he said, Big cool drink of water would be good, wouldn't it? And Hazel made me thirsty. I was ready to leave and I loved fishing back then as much as I do now. But if he'd have said, let's go to the store and get a bottle of water, I'd have said, let's go. Being around other people's faith causes us to want more faith. Being around other people who love God and love their neighbor causes us to want to love God and love our neighbor. What if Jesus is saying that I'm going to work in you? I'm going to work in you such that you become a source of thirst for me. So if you're following along, church, here's what I think. I think when Jesus says that we're the salt of the earth, He means to say to us, I'm going to use you to make other people's lives taste good. I'm going to use you as a preservative in the world. I'm going to use you to make other people thirsty for me. How can I be so sure? I have on my wrist a bracelet. It's the first time I have taken this off since Friday a week ago. I went and hung out with 13 kids and three other adults, 13 young, beautiful men and women who loved the Lord. And it made me want to love Christ more. It made me thirstier for Christ. It talked to me about preserving myself against the things of the world that would have me. They made my life taste better. Because they love Jesus. And watching them sit with their hands open and say, Jesus, work in me, and watching the tears that came from every last one of us 
to hear one of them said, you know, when we started, my hands felt empty. But when we finished praying, they felt full. One of them came up in her pajamas afterward and came up to me and hugged me and said, it's the first time I've ever felt connected to people of a church or to God. A person that doesn't go to church here. I wonder if you can hear in that that Christ used our youth to be salt to cause her life to taste better. Our young people talked about ways they had intentionally hurt themselves, ways that they've hurt others. They talked about ways that they feel like they've fallen short of their parents' expectations. They talked about ways they've fallen short of God's expectations. And in the end, what they talked about was knowing that God forgives them and that the other people sitting around the campfire that night loved them. And I can be so bold as to say to you that that night, they were the salt of the earth. They made life taste better. They made following Christ taste better. They preserved each other against the hurts that they're struggling with. They made each other thirstier for Christ. What if that's what Jesus means when He says to us, church, you are the salt of the earth? That He intends to use us to make life taste better. To preserve life. And to cause us to be thirsty for the One who is life. After what I saw this weekend, this past weekend, I'm convinced that that is true. He said to us, you are the salt of the earth. Trust Him to use you as such, church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.